Hello, everybody, and welcome to Web and Beyond Live. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I am president of W3 Consulting and managing director of W3C Web Services, which provides affordable web and WordPress hosting, domain name registration, and other web-related services for small business. And today is, of course, uh, March 15th, 2021. And Web and Beyond Live is just my weekly opportunity to talk to you all about all the things that I think are important for marketing and managing your small business on the web and beyond. And so today, I have a few uh, kind of minor uh, stories that I wanted to share with you that I, I came across uh, this past week, but then I really want to dive into two different things, kind of uh, splitting our attention between two different things this week. Uh, one is the an article I found uh, regarding local SEO, and I just wanted to cover some of the points around local SEO so that you're kind of aware of some of the things that I pay attention to when I'm looking at client sites related to SEO, especially local SEO. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about NFTs. And while NFTs are popular in the news today, uh, really it's uh, foundational to you understanding really the future of what a lot of businesses are going to be running on, which is blockchain. And so uh, since we have the opportunity to have this conversation again, I kind of want to get up on my soapbox a little bit and just help you understand why blockchain is so important for small business and why we should be embracing this technology as soon as and as practical as possible as we make our way through today. So I think this is going to be a really fun show. If you're with me live, feel free to throw messages in the chat and say hello, and I will be happy to answer any questions that you might have as we make our way along to today's discussion. So let's start off with kind of my first story, which again, like I said, is is um, mostly minor, but I think it's important for us to kind of pay attention to these things that are happening out there. So first and foremost, as I try and get my... Uh, screen here together, uh, we can see that uh, uh, Stripe, which runs a lot of payment uh, gateways and uh, for a lot of small business websites today, has recently raised new capital to be able to branch out into Europe, basically. They're trying to make some inroads into Europe, and they're, uh, they've raised, they are now at a, at a $95 billion valuation, which is just remarkable. Uh, so this, you know, uh, small business is now no longer a small business, uh, though sometimes people still consider themselves a startup at that point. But they're a digital payments company. If you have not seen them, they started off very much as kind of like the developer's version of PayPal. And they have obviously grown beyond that now. They are, uh, you know, really into making it easy for people to be able to integrate payment throughout their various e-commerce solutions and people's websites. So if you are not aware of Stripe, you should really become aware of Stripe. They do a lot of things really, really well. For example, if you implement Stripe on your own website, when you are making mobile payments, for example, they make it really easy for people to be able to integrate into uh, mobile, mobile payment structures like Google Pay, Android, uh, Apple Pay, and so on and so forth. So they're doing a really a lot of really good things there, and so I just wanted to kind of peek that to your on your on your radar, so that if you didn't know that they existed, uh, you should. Next up is this wonderful kind of positive story about um, Shireen Campbell. Uh, she started a uh, kind of a new age, um, you know, mystical. Uh, side business, kind of an e-commerce store, and she took her tax refund, she threw the $3,400 uh, USD into uh, this thing she called the My Little Magic Shop, and uh, and now this online, you know, 
store that sells crystals, herbs, and oils uh, is now generating twelve thousand. Uh, you know, dollars uh, USD per month in revenue. And uh, just a really, really great story. Uh, you can find it on entrepreneur.com. I'll put a link to it, obviously, in the de- video description and so on and so forth. But this just goes to show that if you have the uh, grit to be able to, you know, start up a, a store uh, and do this as a side gig, you can absolutely do it. And I just thought this was really great that she uh, she kept her day job. She uh, went out there and uh, started this business. And since it is Women's History Month and uh, we just recently celebrated International Women's Day, great um, to just kind of highlight someone who's doing uh, really well in the entrepreneurial space with a side hustle, which is really fantastic. So I just thought that was a really fun, um, happy story because I know that a lot of us are, of course, uh, struggling, uh, you know, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, but there are success stories out there and uh, it's great to see a success story out there. So congrats to Shireen and her work um, with her little magic shop. Um, so that brings me uh, to my first kind of uh, major crux story for today, which was to talk about local SEO and really how important local SEO is for every business. So let's take a step back because when people hear me say local SEO, they say, well, I can sell to anyone anywhere I provide my services, say nationwide or even internationally to customers and clients. And um, you would be missing the point if you heard me say local SEO and you thought that this didn't apply to you. So I just really want you to be aware that this applies to everyone. Uh, you are trying to be optimized. You're trying to optimize your web presence for uh, localities, no matter whether you are trying to go to a broad based audience with people all over the world, or whether you're just trying to get your local community to find you on the web. And this is why. When you go out there onto the web, Google believes that they are trying to help people find the right person at the right time in the right place. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you will not be able to get in front of the right people if you don't think about geography whenever you are doing your own uh, level of work. And so uh, think about it from the perspective that it's a divide and conquer kind of thing. You You can conquer a lot of the web by focusing on different regions and localities throughout the space. And so this Tech Magnet article just made a lot of really good points, and I just wanted to uh, point out a couple of them for purposes of what people are trying to do. Now, if you're a local business where you are, in essence, getting most of your business from people coming into your store, much more of this applies to you than if you have a website where many people can come from many different places and still experience your Uh, web presence. So that's just a reality factor. But let's start off at the top. It says mobile friendliness. No matter what, uh, whether you're trying to get local SEO, nationwide, international SEO, if you're trying to get traffic from the search engines, you must be mobile friendly today. So that number one point there, I think is just really uh, misunderstood that most people now experience the web on a mobile phone, whether that be their their smartphone, that whether that be their tablet or otherwise, they are experiencing the web on mobile devices. And if your website is not displaying, and more more importantly, it's not downloading quickly on a mobile device, then you have a problem. So you need to go and try your website on a wide variety of phones, right? You know, ask friends, ask family, hey, can you load my website on your phone? And then watch it, see how it loads. Uh, There's also the uh, Google tool, which is the uh, test my site tool. So if you go to testmysite.thinkwithgoogle.com, 
you will come to this page and you will be able to type your website's URL into it and test your site. It will give you a, a score and it will give you a checklist of things that you can do to be able to make your site mobile friendly. It'll also help with SEO across the board, but specifically your mobile optimization is just so important to the search engine generally that it's worth checking out there. Next up, uh, they, they talk about a couple other things. I'm not going to talk about each of these, just the ones that are important to, to local SEO. Your Google My Business listing. So your Google My Business listing, along with your name, address, phone number, and really hours of operations, those are tightly bound together across the web. And so it's really important that we have a couple of things. One, make sure that you have a Google My Business listing. Uh, many other services use Google as their source material for a lot of other things. And there are many reasons why this information may be not synchronized, not correct across many different local directories. So making sure that your local directories are consistent for name, address, phone, and hours of operation. Now, uh, your address, your location, that is the physical location where you are pinned on the map, is Google's number one criterion for driving traffic to your website, to your that is to your Google My Business listing, not necessarily to your website. So we want to be um, cognizant of the fact that where I am as a consumer and where you are as a business is really the number one criterion. Beyond that, though, we then look at things like reviews, number five here. So reviews and feedback on your Google My Business listing, but across the web, even including reviews that end up being on your website themselves, because you can actually have reviews formatted using the schema, schema.org schema, uh, that little metadata that's put onto the website that helps people see that this is a review versus this is just some other kind of content. You can actually have those kinds of reviews surface all over the web. So we are caring about making sure that our name, address, phone, and hours of operation are consistently correct across the, the web, wherever they might show up in different local directories, making sure our Google My Business listing has the correct address and as well the correct you know name and phone and hours of operation, and then that we are consistently soliciting positive reviews. This is new content on a regular basis being added to your listing, and that tells Google that you're active, that people are coming to your business, and that people are caring about your business. It's not really about positive reviews here, so I know that this seems uh, a little bit misleading here that you have to have positive reviews. Uh, the, the star review is actually a subjective term, not something that Google looks at in terms of surfacing your business versus others. So if you have a three-star review on your site, that's gonna be judged by humans, not necessarily by Google. Uh, they were looking for consistent new reviews coming to the site so that you can make they can make sure that that business is actually uh, getting new business. They want to see that people are trafficking your retail location and therefore whether or not they should send more traffic to that business, right? So, you know, people can come to a business and be unhappy but still get their, their uh, be satisfied with what Google is directing them to. Uh, then we can skip a couple of these other things. These are, you know, address in the schema markup in your footer, adding your state and city name in meta tags and so on and so forth. All of those are positive things. Most often than not, though, your content management system is handling all of the various pieces of the puzzle when it comes to those things. What you should make sure you're doing, though, is that when you are titling pages of your on your website, make sure that you put locality in your pages. And this comes down to just making sure that you put city, state, maybe region, if you have a county or some kind of regional name, uh, neighborhoods on specific pages that are pertinent to your business, you want to make sure those are in the titles of the page and that you don't have too many of them. So individual pages about 
a specific county shouldn't be mixed in with regional or neighborhood-based names. You want individual pages focused on individual streets, landmarks, uh, neighborhoods, and so on and so forth. Each of those should be individual pages because people are searching for things located uh, in vicinity to X, not X, Y, and Z. You want them to really be uh, quite uh, focused there. And of course, they talk about publishing original and formative content. That's great. Uh, you know, and of course, those need to be localized going back to, you know, number seven, where you want to make sure the names of pages are um, properly uh, structured there. A couple things that people don't also remember in kind of thinking about local SEO is that local SEO doesn't stop at your website. And so here from 9, 10, 11, <laughs> you know, those three are actually really important because what they do is they extend beyond your website to potentially event directories like Eventbrite and Alignable and other places where people post events, Facebook events, for example, uh, local image uh, promotion. Uh, local image promotion, really what they're talking about here, as I understand it, is really the idea that you want to make sure that you are putting images that, of course, have the right words in the physical, physical, but the file name of the image, so that when you are putting things into Google, they are finding not only the keywords. So, say if you're a dress shoe store in, uh, you know, in Oklahoma, you're basically saying in the file name, uh, dress shoes, you know, Tuscaloosa, Oklahoma. Dot png not some img 25479265.png right you want the actual description of what that image is of in the search engines and giving that local op optimization is really really powerful you can also embed a location directly in image using the metadata for images you can place location into into an image uh, in the exif data but you know, that's really not necessary um, to worry about so much. If you really want to highly optimize, you can obviously do that. And then, of course, YouTube videos. YouTube videos allow you to actually choose a location for every video. And having your location set in the video means that when someone's searching for videos in a proximity of a space, you'll be able to do that. Uh, so I just think that they give a lot more information here in terms of other ways in which you can really highly locally optimize your search engine growth and those are really great but those are the big ticket ones that come to mind that people just don't do off the bat and so just it's important for us all to think about how we're optimizing for search engines not just from a keyword perspective how people are searching for us generally but how people are focused on uh, finding us uh, based on proximity or geography okay so good stuff there and then last but not least i wanted to talk a little bit about nfts nfts have been in the uh, the news lately if you haven't heard about them uh, but they are uh, the nft concept i just wanted to explain ever so lightly so that you can get an idea about what they are but nfts stand for non-fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens really in essence means uh, a certificate of authentic authenticity placed on a blockchain and so why does this matter to you? Well, this matters to you because there are a bunch of artists out there right now, including you know major uh, sports organizations and otherwise that are selling NFTs now. And we know as business owners that having diversified revenues, different opportunities to be able to uh, sell things is really important and, and powerful. And so we want to be able to utilize where possible these things. Uh, so NFTs are a new opportunity for you. I mean, really, if you sell art, uh, if you have any level of unique products that can be certified 
NFTs are basically those kinds of certificates of authenticity related to collectibles, to, like I said, artwork, uh, both digital and physical artwork. It doesn't have to be something that is only in the real world, in the physical world. Uh, there is actually... Uh, there are digital worlds right now that's that are selling property uh, that is uh, uh, digital uh, addresses within that are basically remapping the real world so you can buy the digital version of say your neighborhood and nfts are the way in which they're doing it it's all founded on the concept of blockchain and i've talked about this before but it's really important for you to understand but we we hear it quite frequently bandied about related to Bitcoin and other kinds of cryptocurrencies. Uh, the reality is though, is that blockchain is a completely independent technology of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And cryptocurrencies allow for us to have digital money and the blockchain is one component of us having that capability. But the blockchain is actually a public ledger that allows us to be able to have an immutability, meaning that other people can't change it, meaning that I don't have to trust a bank or some other third party in order to be able to verify that information that is held on the blockchain. It is typically public, while there are some private chains out there, uh, typically it is public information and it is sometimes semi-anonymous you know, to uh, potentially anonymous in different ways. But in essence, the idea is, is that you have the ability to verify information publicly without having a third-party intermediary uh, verify that information. This is incredibly powerful if you think about it. If, uh, if at one point in time you needed some uh, major third party to be able to verify the authenticity of something, uh, you would have to pay them money, you would have to do all kinds of things. With NFTs, it removes that intermediary by virtue of the creator of that content, that creator of that thing, uh, going ahead and providing the certificate of authenticity through the non-fungible token, the NFT, and now provides that to you. In your own business now, you can sell that, you can license things, you can have, say, a limited edition of these uh, particular digital or physical goods, and then provide NFTs as a mechanism for being able to, uh, per, you know, sell that to people. So this is this is really really big, and blockchain is just the it's just showing the beginnings of how blockchain can do this. Now, of course, sure, you could you could go out there and you could take cryptocurrency as a part of your e-commerce store. You can uh, you can. Uh, uh, use uh, blockchain for purposes of managing inventory and supply chain management and all kinds of other things and nfts is just another one of those kind of first initial use cases for blockchain you know so money to now certificates of authenticity you will see as we make our way forward into the next 10 years probably more and more uses of blockchain i think blockchain is going to fundamentally change the way in which we do supply chain management in the world, but on a small business, which is of course going to impact small businesses, but on a small business level, I think that what we should be really thinking about are how how do our current businesses, the business models we're founded upon using software as a service, for example, how are, how are we really interacting with the software every day? And because much of that is done in private silos, in private databases, we're not capable of really accessing that data and authenticating that data. And what we're going to see like I said, over the next probably five to 10 years is more and more shift to more companies handling their data using the blockchain. And therefore, we're going to see uh, kind of resting that information out of the hands of 
you know, large companies that have that data. And so we're going to see this slow but steady movement toward the democratization of our own data from large private entities. And I'm really excited about the concept of it. I know it seems um, kind of esoteric. It seems kind of banal to think about, well, who cares about my data and where it might be held and what software companies may be doing that. But think about Intuit's QuickBooks. So many people have their business data held in databases that QuickBooks has control over. Well, what happens when that information is now in your control and the security implied around not being able to allow other people to, to um, access that data without your explicit uh, ability to give permission for that. So for example, um, we have lots of circumstances where individuals uh, do not want their data for privacy reasons, for legal reasons, for whatnot, uh, for, you know, for whatever reasons, they don't want people to gain access to that information. And laws are coming down the pike that are basically saying to businesses that have access to people's data, hey, you have to give people control over the data that you're holding about them. And as those new compliance issues come into play, I'm just making a wild guess here that the regulatory compliance is going to be so high for so many of the businesses that they're going to uh, be against a rock and a hard place. And those who choose blockchain technologies will be able to easily and readily do a number of different things. One, we could pay people for uh, giving access to their data. That is, I could say to you, if you give me this data, I will pay you some small amount of cryptocurrency for being able to do that. And that has a real world value. And now people are not only giving permission just in a general basis, but you can also then pay people for permission there. The other side is that you can now say to Intuit's QuickBooks, uh, QuickBooks, if you want access to this client's information in order to be able to process it, well, this client needs to be paid. And so therefore that transaction is seamlessly happening in the background, but perhaps that then helps to reduce your cost of having to utilize the software because Intuit is basically paying the client for that money. And maybe you make an arrangement with the client that says, hey, we're gonna be using QuickBooks. QuickBooks is gonna be paying you for access to that data. And this is all being facilitated by technology. And they're just you know, checking off boxes as they make their uh, initial arrangement with you regarding working with you and otherwise. But they say yes, and now perhaps that helps to reduce cost across the board because some of the money that Intuit would be otherwise charging you for processing that data, they're now paying that back to you for being able to have access to that private data. So there's a lot of opportunity here that I just really think we are, are, are as businesses are not as aware of. And, uh, and so I'm trying to just enlighten people about the fact that this is coming. This is coming from a number of different places, right? People want privacy and, and data protection and the ability to control their data. Businesses want access to that data. Governments want to protect privacy of their of their individuals, of their uh, citizens. And of course, we're all we're all dealing with the fact that now technology has risen to a place where we can track all of that data. I mean, we're, we've been doing it for quite some time now, but now we can do it in a way that doesn't require a centralized business to have access to all of that data. It can actually be contained and controlled by an individual using blockchain technology. So we have a really exciting next five, 10 years ahead of us in terms of us figuring this stuff out. It's still in early days, but NFTs 
are that first next step of me basically saying, I can certify inventory of everything in my home using non-fungible tokens. I can say, this is my pencil. This is my phone. This is my headset, right? And being able to do that now gives us a greater level of control over the data about us just generally in the world and also in our digital space. So as we make our way forward, I think that, you know, going from certificates of authenticity that people are going to be selling and, and so on and so forth, great new business opportunity, all good there. I just think that we are, we're going to see, this is just like the, the tip of the iceberg in what is going to come forward in terms of opportunities for us out there. And so uh, with that, uh, that is really what I wanted to cover today. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the concept of non-fungible tokens, talk a little bit about local SEO. Hopefully those things were of use to you in kind of understanding and contextualizing the world that is kind of coming. We're, we're, we're getting there. And uh, so we have reached the end of our time together today. I really want to thank you for joining me here for Web and Beyond Live. If you have a question, feel free to leave a comment. Feel free to uh, message me on Twitter. I'm at W, the number three consulting. So at W3 consulting on Twitter. And you can join us here every Monday, uh, typically at 11 a.m. Eastern. And then otherwise, thanks so much for spending this Web and Beyond Live with me. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and our subsidiary W3C Web Services. Have a great week ahead, marketing and managing your small business on the Web and Beyond. Take care, everybody.